Welcome to Life Together, a podcast for Gresham Bible Church, where we exist to glorify God in being disciples who make disciples of all people through the transforming power of the gospel. In this episode, Josh and I discuss the importance of abiding and the reality that what and how we consume information is shaping us, both as individual believers and corporately as a local church. Also, I wanted to let you know that there won't be an episode posted next week. We'll resume our regular schedule of posting every Thursday again as of April 28th. Josh, I'm looking forward to this conversation we're going to have today. We want to talk about inputs, outputs, a word that's been bantied about, I don't know for how long, but the idea of tribalism. But we want to focus on how does God's word help us think about these things? And the word that keeps coming to mind is abide. So we're going to jump into the conversation. But first, I want to read us a quote, and then I'll kind of tee it up for us. All right. So this is a quote by Mark Sayers who's from Australia. So um, I don't have a cool Australian accent like Mark Sayers, but here's what he has to say. And then we're going to unpack it. He says this, in the networked world, even the most committed believer will consume only a fraction of the information and input from their church compared to what they consume via podcasts, YouTube, and Netflix. The digital network is now our primary formational environment. It shapes our opinions, values, and worldview. Today, the average churchgoer will Google a problem before they approach their pastor. The digital network is the primary shaper of their theological, political, and cultural worldview. A congregation may be physically present within their church, but their primary influence comes from the digital networks to which they are connected. So Josh, how's that quote hit you? And why do you want to talk about inputs and outputs? Yeah, I think it's a really good quote. I think it's um, kind of bringing to the surface probably what we all really know and think. And I mean, me and Elizabeth will often test each other, you know, when we have a question like, what movie were they in or just something? And uh, we'll kind of laugh because we'll say, you can't use your phone or whatever. And I remember, and I always remember like, yeah, we used to just have to remember things or you Mm. had to like ask somebody, you know, uh, and someone had to have that information and you had to get it from another person. And so we just live in a different age. And and so I think it's very true um, within Christianity now that um, we are more shaped by what we consume uh, through different outlets, um, online, um, through media sources, um, than we are by the people around us, the people who uh, we've committed our lives to, yeah. um, the people like in our positions, you know, in pastoral leadership over us with that spiritual authority in the church. And so that just kind of makes for a really difficult, strange times mm-hmm. um, often. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So I, I would just say it's a very uh, obvious problem. Yeah. And I, I, I imagine, I hope, I guess it's obvious to a lot of other people. And I think when 2020 and 2021 were happening, uh, especially with us being more isolated in our homes, that was just coming up to the surface and creating a lot of whole new host of problems as we were just kind of consuming things left and right yeah. and putting things into our lives. And I guess what we want to talk about a little bit is how that's not neutral. Mm-hmm. And how what we consume and what we think about shapes who we are. And so that's why I think that word abide is the key word. The Bible has a lot to say about this and our formation as people and as Christians uh, in our own following of Christ. It relates to what we think about, what we put in, um, and uh, then what we put out uh, from our lives is a revelation of what we've been, what's been put into us. Yes. Amen. So, you know, Jesus says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, you know, what's inside of us is revealed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus talks about that as fruit. And so what's coming out of me is actually symptomatic of what's inside of me and what's inside of me got there somehow. Yeah. And so yeah. we want to, we need to evaluate that just in our own discipleship. Yep. 
Yep. Um, so let's go there. We'll talk about some biblical principles. How does God's word help illuminate this time in which we find ourselves? But I'd love to hear you talk maybe a little bit more first. You said that, you know, it's not neutral. So information is not neutral. Just maybe could you unpack that for us briefly? Like, what do you mean by that? Like, What's like a practical example? Great question. Uh yeah, I mean, I think just something that you receive, mm-hmm. it's shaping how you see the world in reality. So maybe a practical example for me is for a very long time, me and Elizabeth loved watching the Today Show in the morning. It would just kind of often be on in the background as we're getting the kids ready for school or whatever. And uh, I would often try to um, get my you know, kind of devotional time in before even the Today Show would start. And so, because in a way I was telling myself, it helps me know what's going on in the world. And I kind of like some of the fun little things that they do and talk about or whatever. And so that was a lot of fun. But I noticed how over time, and me and Elizabeth have commented to each other, we've stopped watching the Today Show now for, for quite a while, a couple of years at least. And we've noticed how our anxiety level and kind of negative perception of all of reality is uh, it's very different. And so just when I wake up in the morning and, the, and they do that initial like 60 second highlight reel of images and videos like yeah. just coming at you 100% and some of them are like the war in Ukraine and this horrible thing that's happening and this person that did this and it's like and then we got the latest hot you know um, products to buy this season and this fun thing you know it's just kind of this weird um just disorienting, positive, negative, creating all these emotions or mm-hmm. like drawing them out of me, this fear. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm angry now. Oh, that looks fun. You know, it's just kind of this weird thing. Mm-hmm. And so just how much even the Today Show in my life, as a practical example, consuming that, it wasn't neutral um, mm-hmm. because it was causing me to feel a certain way about the world every single morning. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if I don't even look at my phone for the first couple of hours and my first couple of hours of the day are literally just spent reading God's word, pouring out my heart to him, reminding myself of my identity in Christ as I read the word and trying to be more present with my family and Mm -hmm. asking the kids what they're excited about that day. I have a very different perspective on the world that day. Mm -hmm. And so just those two illustrations alone in a very real way in my life, uh, color the way that I see things and then therefore uh, other people experience me as a very different person. Yeah, I think that's so helpful to hear a real practical, timely, here's kind of what we mean by this. Um, we're going to bounce this around more and talk about the idea, the critical idea of abiding and how it impacts us, inputs, outputs, how it shapes us and then how we shape the world around us. But I thought it'd be good just to, let's just talk for a few minutes about what are some key verses, truths about our God, about what's really true about reality that help inform how we're approaching this conversation? So let's just go there. Like, what are some key verses that come to mind for you that, that help help us understand this, think about this more? Yeah, I think the um, John 15 is a great place to start um, because the Bible talks about our salvation uh, in the terms of union, union with Christ. So uh, when you're saved, we're not saved from our sin and um, just kind of like washed clean and, and set free to roam the world, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a real, uh, lo- there's like location language that the Bible uses when we're saved, that we are united to Christ, that our our lives are hidden in Christ, you know, Paul would say. Um, so that's just picked up and explained over and over and over again in the New Testament. And But then as a Christian, if my objective reality is that I'm united to Christ, mm-hmm. Um, that my life is hidden in him, there's now this call to daily um, abide in him, mm-hmm. right? So there's this uh, union with Christ, but now it's our joy and pleasure and discipline to commune with Christ, right? Yeah. And so um, my communing with Christ can suffer even though my union isn't mm-hmm. because objectively I'm united and I'm Uh, Christian, but the call is to abide. So John 15, I mean, Jesus talks about this, you know, I am the vine, verse five, you are the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. 
If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. I'll just stop there. But uh, basically, Jesus is saying, if you abide in me, if if your life is joined to me, uh, you're going to bear fruit from that. And the opposite's true. Whatever I abide in, uh, in life, it's going to produce a fruit, right? There's going to be an output to it. And so Jesus is saying, when I abide in him, if my input is Christ, so to speak, my output will be fruit that glorifies God. What I love about that verse and why I read as far as I did is because Jesus explains what abiding looks like. He says, if my words abide in you, so the input of my life needs to be the words of God. Right, mm-hmm. that's what abiding in Christ looks like practically. It's having His words abide in me. But then the other one He says is abide in my love. So if I'm abiding in the love of God, if the input of my life is relishing in the way that God has loved me, how loved I am by God, yeah. uh, that's going to produce a certain kind of fruit in my life, right? And so that fruit, even at the end, He says, uh, "Your joy will be full." Right. So, and that his joy will be in us. So there's a lot of abiding input language that Jesus uses, that the New Testament uses. Um, And it's actually really practical, but it's a lot of it is related to that input of uh, words. Mm -hmm. And what am I consuming? Yep. And that has a real output that either glorifies God or is uh, ugly. Amen. So our abiding matters. We shouldn't waste our abiding thinking of how that impacts us individually and then how it impacts those around us. Just hearing you read it even right now, uh, probably a lot of people at GBC are familiar with John 15 and what Jesus says, but why wouldn't I want the joy of Jesus in my life? Right. And he tells me how to do that, how to get that practically is to abide in him. Man, it's so important. Um, That's right. Yeah. yeah. How about other verses, truths that help inform, frame, you know, the beauty of abiding, why it matters, how it impacts us? Yeah. A few of the thoughts that I had were um, just how much the Bible talks about listening. Mm. Listening is a real um, key thing to just being a human being. Yeah. Uh, but in our relationship to God. And God cares a lot about what we listen to. So the book of Proverbs alone, the number could actually be way more than this, but I've at least counted 21 Proverbs about listening wow. and how important listening is. I mean, uh, Proverbs 2, 2, make your ear attentive to wisdom and incline your heart to understanding. Um, if I could flip here too, but Proverbs chapter 12, uh, verse 5 or 15, sorry, uh, says the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Uh, so the Proverbs have a lot to say about what we listen to. Um, think about Jesus and how often he says, um, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Mm-hmm. He says that in Matthew eleven fifteen, Revelation 2, verse 7, so many other places. Um, James says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Um but then he says, don't just be hearers of the word, be doers, but also be doers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Romans 10, Paul says uh, that faith comes from hearing, that the faith that we have in God comes through the pathway of hearing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the Bible just has a lot to say about what we listen to. Um, and so it'd be important for us to yeah. listen to that. Yeah, I just think it's so important to orient ourselves around scripture and who we are, who we're made to be, who God is, just what true truth is, what real reality is, is how God tells us. So our abiding, our listening isn't passive, it isn't neutral, it matters. Like this, God's words everywhere speaks to this. Um, If I could share real quick too, I think a really important biblical truth in this whole discussion of abiding and in our moment, what we consume, et cetera, is um, Psalm 115.8, speaking about idols, idolatry. It says, those who make them become like them, so do all who trust in them. In Isaiah 44, it's kind of picking up or amplifying the truth of we become like what we worship we become like what we behold. So what we're abiding in, we're beholding something and that thing is shaping us. That's 
how God's designed reality, the world. So it's not passive. It's not neutral. We become like what we worship. We become like what we behold. So I think what we're talking about here, when we see it through the lens and the weight that God's word places on it is super important. That's right. Yeah. hundred percent. Any other verses or examples that come to mind for you as well as we're kind of building out the framework for this before we talk about this practically in our cultural moment? Yeah, I mean, I uh, we talked about how, <clears throat> you know, the book of Philippians seems to be really critical. Mm. Um, I mean, Paul, we know, is in prison. Uh, he's writing and he's suffering. And he's talking about how uh, he's commanding this church of Philippi to rejoice all the time in all things. And uh, if you pay attention in the book of Philippians, you'll notice how much Paul talks about what we think about and how, therefore, that that thinking and that dwelling, that input um, in, as an activity really has a contribution to the peace and the joy that we experience. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, he says, you know, I press on in chapter three uh, toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have uh, obtained, attained. So there's, they're trying to hold true to this truth. They're trying to think a certain way. They're straining forward mm -hmm. towards the upward call of God in Christ. He goes on and says, you know, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Um, these are all famous verses, right? Verse eight, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, anything excellent. If there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. Wow. And the God of peace will be with you. So there's that idea of learning, receiving, hearing, seeing uh, in Paul. And he's saying, practice these things, not just because he's like, I'm nailing it and I'm <laughs> I'm the one, right? He's just, he's practicing it himself. He has the right inputs, right? He's abiding in Christ yes. to the point that he's able to rejoice in, in his sufferings yeah. uh, for the sake of Christ. But he does that as he's thinking about these true things, these yeah. pure things, these excellent things. And so basically, if you're to read the Bible, God cares so much about what we think about, mm -hmm. about what we're receiving, about what we're surrounding ourselves with. And it's just not neutral. It's either shaping me um, into the image of Christ. It's bearing fruit that glorifies him. Uh, it's helping me abide. Um, and if there's other things then that aren't going to lead to that, right? Mm -hmm. That aren't going to glorify him and whatever. So, yep. Yep. And then applying those truths in our moment, um, there's nothing new under the sun and yet things in history change and ebb and flow. And in our time, I mean, this is the first generation and a we're raising kids for those of us with kids at home and ourselves that we have so much information at our fingertips right think about the idea of form and function like my iphone is designed to be pleasant for me to interact with right. it attracts me it's not neutral and then it's doing something to us and i think we just gotta like keep reflecting on this or we're just the proverbial frog in boiling water right so like yeah. these biblical truths and principles should help inform and frame how we interact in our current time that god has us and um, there's i think so much to think about here. that's right yeah I, th I think a huge danger then i mean just to kind of go to that level is in our day and age, go back, going back to that Mark Sayers quote, that mm -hmm. our primary formation and network is um, that influence is not within the church. Mm -hmm. It's not even within kind of the physical relationships, even Christian relationships around us often. It's through um, our preferred sources, and we all have them, yep. right? And so, um, like, there are sources that I trust and that I go to, right? And there's sort other sources that people trust and that they go to. And we have to all wrestle with the fact that a lot of these sources that we go to, we actually don't know who these people are often. I don't know. We don't know them personally. Mm -hmm. And um, sometimes, at least, the sources that we're going to have a certain bent, a certain angle. Um, there's a reason why I go to those sources, 
there's a reason why I feel like I trust that source. Um, it's because in some way it's at least saying something that I'm either suspicious of or that I want. Um, and the ramifications of that though, is that further divides people because we go, Oh, you watch this news outlet. I watch this news outlet, or you read that website. Well, I read this website and we could kind of then create that sense of tribalism Mm -hmm. and that becomes the source of truth for us. Yep. Um, and we're not even talking about is that source of truth in God's word? Is that source of truth my the community of believers that I'm a part of, that I'm called to submit my life under and that sort of thing? Yeah. And so we could see then how this um, tribal type, uh, disconnected, uh, information-consuming age further divides people, um, not only shapes us who we are, but then it's creating communities of people that are opposed to one another. And so I think a healthy, I think a healthy practice, at least I try to have in my life is to be aware of those networks in my own life Mm -hmm. and how, when I hear something from outside that a little bit, um, I don't just go, Hey, it's, everything's true. But at the same time, I'm trying to think well about where that person's coming from and not immediately just want to uh, discredit what that person is saying. Yeah. So, I mean, but you, you have to really be aware, at least that they, we're all doing this. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like age, we, we can't avoid it. No, I meant, it seems like we've been so accustomed to it that we've kind of accepted it before we discern it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But when we were bouncing this around earlier, Romans 12, two was brought up. Um, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing. You may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So, is what I'm consuming, what I'm interacting it, act, interacting with, good, acceptable, and perfect. And do I have discernment? And it feels like um, this is super important. It always has been important, but really important in in our time and place. Um, how yeah. about let's just kind of go there a little bit, paint the picture, and then get practical. What are some pastoral observations, concerns, you know, from what you've shared, and maybe more so that just w- you know, why is it so important that we that we talk about this as a church family? Yeah, I think the first response is just it's important because of all the verses we just read that what we consume shapes us. Mm-hmm. And as a pastor, my primary concern is that we are growing in our Christ likeness. Amen. And so um like spiritually wanting to be aware of uh, and at least talking about with people that what you read, uh, what you consume, and even the way that you do it uh, are not neutral things. So I've told people this over time too. Um, uh, I think this even uh, extends beyond the information itself that you you could actually read something that's overall true, but the person that you've trusted who's giving you that information um, you will begin to take on the personality and character traits of that person. Mm-hmm. So even the information we receive is not uh, divorced from the person itself. So if there's a person that you really respect, whether it is a pastor, whether it is an author, whether it is uh, a political leader or whoever it is, um, you it's not just neutral information in that you go, oh, I think they're tr- I think that's true. Right. If you really like that person, if you really trust that person, respect that person, you actually find yourself becoming like them. So if they're an aggressive, rude, um, you know, this is one example, but uh, yep. somebody who's very like they're canceling everybody all the time, like you're going to become more like that. Yep. You know, you're going to take yep. on that personality. So I just so it's again, it's just not a neutral thing. And so at the end of the day, uh, we're trying to evaluate am I becoming more like Christ? Mm -hmm. And if my symptoms are that I'm looking less and less like Christ, I mean, the fruit of the spirit, you know, uh, love, joy, peace, patience, I won't list them all, but I mean, gentleness, all these things. If I don't see that in my life, then I go, the, at minimum, the input is off. Mm -hmm. And that's a good starting point. Just looking around and beginning to evaluate what's entering into my life. And so, at a really practical level, um, I've had to do that. I mean, I got off all social media, uh, I don't know, a while, a while back. Mm. And I had done it before and in my life. You seem okay. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I think there is a real concern in our uh, information age. And I have that concern because I'm a pastor uh, where I go, well, my work is people. So I should probably be on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to be on there and try to be a positive voice and yeah. influence yeah. or whatever. Uh, but then it just would just be poisonous to me. I just, it mm-hmm. affected the way I saw people that I, I didn't want them. I didn't want to negatively see people. Cause I'd noticed that my human interaction with people was different than online. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's all these reasons. So, but then there's that fear that creeps up inside of me where I go, well, I don't, what am I going to miss out on? Or am I going to be disconnected from other people? Or what if I don't know things that are happening? Mm-hmm. And so we we have these fears and concerns creep in that then um, uh, cause us to uh, not be willing to walk away from those things. Yeah. And so for me, I just had to evaluate that. Like, what am I bringing into my life? Mm-hmm. Is this helpful? Um, and I'm not saying everyone should get off social media. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying for me, I had to evaluate that. And so the way I evaluated, I said, is social media helping me become a uh, more faith? Is it helping me follow Christ better, you know, and be a better Christian? I was mm-hmm. like, well, no. Is it helping me be a better dad? No. Helping me be a better husband? No. Is it helping me be a better pastor? I was like, actually, I don't think it is. Yeah. Um, and so I was just like, okay, well, then what's the point of me being on here? Mm-hmm. You know, is it helping me be a better friend? No. Like, I mean, like I just didn't have a yes to any of the answers. And so I said, yeah. well, I'll get rid of this thing then, right? And so it's just that evaluation of the inputs in my life mm-hmm. and who am I becoming? And then trying to reevaluate that. I know it's saying a lot, um, but I just, again, saying these things are not neutral and we want to cut ourselves off from the river sources that are feeding us mm-hmm. if the water we're consuming has a bit of like poison in it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's wise. That's in step with the gospel to test ourselves, see if we're in the faith periodically, right? Not in a navel gazing sense, but just, Hey, where am I off? Am I stable and steadfast, not shifting my hope from the gospel? So to have those self-evaluation things, are there any other, um, you know, the phrase comes to mind, diagnostic questions that you would encourage people with just to assess your abiding, your consuming, like, how am I doing in this? You know, like help inform decisions so it's not passive, so that it's intentional. Just any other diagnostic questions you'd encourage people with in regards to their abiding? Yeah, I think uh, we could probably extend it to... um not only that first diagnostic, which I think mm-hmm. I just kind of probably presented without saying I was presenting it. Maybe I can't remember what I said, but, <laughs> uh, you know, am I more like Christ? Yep. Um, I think I kind of related that as, am I better off because of this thing, am I living a more whole integrated, um, abundant life mm-hmm. because of this? Um, so that's, that's kind of the, the, the me idea looking at the, you know, kind of, if I'm a tree, I'm picking the fruit off my life, mm-hmm. looking at it, examining it. I'm like, well, that's yep. a banana. Well, that's rotten. And you know, whatever, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Well, there's gentleness and there's a lot of outrage and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that's part one question. I think another diagnostic question could be like, how are other people experiencing me? Yep. Which isn't disconnected from each other, but what sort of influence and, um, Uh, Am I having other people Mm -hmm. like, uh, am I so anxious that other, I'm just creating a lot of stress around me and the people around me. Um, I thought of this example, uh, in Acts 16, uh, because of how, uh, you think of someone who, how we're listening all the time to things and then something pours out of us, the input produces an output. Mm -hmm. And so you have this amazing story. I just think it's interesting where Paul and Silas are imprisoned in Philippians or in Philippi, right? So we already talked about the book of Philippians, but it's uh, in Acts 16, verse 25, it says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Okay. So they're in jail because of following Christ right? Horrible situation. They're suffering. Okay. Uh, this is not the holiday inn, right? <laughs> this is not a great situation. And their output is praying and singing hymns to God, mm-hmm. right? So this is what's just coming out of them in that moment. That's revealing kind of their source of abiding. That's revealing what's been their inputs, mm-hmm. right? Kind of that idea of what, when something gets squeezed, What's inside comes out, out. gets poured out. What comes, gets poured out. That's the fruit idea, right? And then it says, and, so they're praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. So 
what's pouring out of them is being experienced by these other prisoners who were in there for probably very different reasons. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. So that means everybody. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. That's just all the prisoners. Mm -hmm. But Paul cried with a loud voice, do not harm yourself for we are all here. So everyone's there. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food for them. And he rejoiced along with the entire household. They believed in God. So just an amazing story, uh, man. But I just love that, that like when they're squeezed, what comes out of them? It's beautiful. Amen. Hymns and praying. Uh, but I love how Luke wants you to know the prisoners were listening to them. Mm. And so when this moment comes for them to like get out of there, like, oh, you're free. Right, this crazy earthquake happened. You're free. Even all the other prisoners don't leave. Yeah. So it at least makes you wonder, and it at least I think draws out that point that we all know intuitively. But here's a good, clear example of just what I'm producing, what's coming out of me, uh, is actually affecting other people. Hmm. And here, that output and that influence brought salvation. Man. Yeah. And not like um, anxiety or um, self-centeredness or, I mean, they should be in there like complaining or, you know, but like, oh man, like, are you serious? Yeah. You know, like, I'm just trying to think of what I would do if I'm in prison, Yeah, you know? And oh my gosh, just how this brings about salvation. That's the, that's the, uh, what their output produces. I love that picture because it helps. It is practical. It's biblical example. So our input matters for our output matters for our mission. It matters for the sake of adorning the gospel, making, showing people Jesus is worth following. I just, yeah, there's so much to, to reflect on there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Our abiding really matters. That's right. It really matters. Absolutely. Yeah. Any other diagnostic type of questions, not to sound overly clinical or analytical, but just to help us all assess, like, how am I doing in this space? How's my abiding going? Anything else come to mind? Oh, I mean, diagnostically, um, not really. I mean, because okay. I think the only real diagnostic um, questions we have is just what's what's coming out of me. Yep. And then asking maybe people closest to me, how do you experience me? Mm -hmm. And, you know, are we better off than we were five years ago, yep. 10 years ago? Yep. Do I look a little bit more like Christ now? I mean, that's a painful, hard question to ask people, but um, if you have people who love you. Oh, yeah. Um, and so... I almost even wonder diagnostically if we ask that question more than we just um, sought out information about other things. Amen. Just how um, how different our lives would be. So yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, yeah, am I more like Christ? Am I more formed for heaven, and not just um, self evaluation? Because we all have blind spots, but giving people permission in loving, yeah. gracious ways to speak into that. It's part of being a church. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do think, sorry, the more I think about it, I do think another thing that would be helpful maybe in line with what you're saying um, kind of is just evaluating like where, what well do I drink from the most? You know, if you think about sources mm -hmm. uh, like a river are, you know, like a well, uh, just what's the well I go to the most? Yep. Um, because I would say, um, if you the other other ways to th even think about that is, do I feel this fear of missing out, of not knowing things, of being disconnected that I just couldn't deal with? So, like, I have to know everything. I have to uh, make sure that I visited this app every day or whatever it is. Like yep. um, if I have that sense where I don't feel like I can even go a day without reading a certain source that I love or um, consuming certain kind of content. Um, if I have this fear that just seems like unbearable. So I, I will never not 
live without the feeling of disconnection. Um, that that's probably a pretty big warning sign. Like yeah, if you, like on your car, you have the dashboard lights. It's like a dashboard light saying, "Hey, check engine." You know. Yep. Uh, or um, I think it's helpful to evaluate: Am I um, a, do I would I say I'm addicted to information? Like, do I feel like I have to always be consuming content? Mm. Um, do I, uh, we talked about that in the Sabbath and rest, I think episode, but just yeah. do I'm always trying to like have noise on um, mm. in the background. I'm not able to sit alone. Yeah. Um, but that ad- addiction I think uh, is, is very real right now in how people consume content. And uh, so kind of then evaluating where is, which well am I addicted to the most? Yeah. Because in some ways, we would want to have a healthy addiction to God's word. Mm -hmm. You know, I would love to have this sense of, I mean, I hate it to say it this way, but I got to get my hit from the Bible today, you know, kind of thing, (laughs) you know. And so just like I couldn't imagine going a day without sitting in God's word and mulling it over in my mind, Mm -hmm. you know. I mean, that would be a great addiction. Yeah. Uh, But if that's not really a part of my life, but I'm addicted to other types of information, uh, that's probably a really bad sign. Yeah, I just think this is such an important, helpful, gracious, winsome conversation because our abiding matters and just bounced around inside of me is what you read earlier in John 15, you know, the importance of abiding, abiding in Jesus, fruit, vine idea. Then these things I commanded you so that you will love one another and then earlier so that your joy may be full. Like, man, it impacts my joy, impacts how I love one another, impacts like how I'm being formed for eternity, for heaven, and maybe is oversimplifying it. I'm not trying to do that, but like our abiding really matters. Am I living the abundant life of Jesus for my good and the good of others or these other sources are forming me into other things and it's not for God's kingdom? Like just thinking about what you're saying, like in my life too, when I'm consuming certain things or feeling prone to go certain ways, I do, I feel more anxious or angry and we are not encouraging our church to be naive, to, you know, be ostriches with our head in the sand, but let's not be fools. A lot of what we consume are intentionally shaped and designed to bring about certain outcomes, certain emotions. We're being played. And so it's like, let's not get it twisted. So, so this stuff really matters. Our abiding is not neutral. Like it's making me more like Jesus, pulling me towards Jesus or making more like, um, you know, the fruits of the flesh. Yeah. It almost makes me think a little bit too of, you know, the original sin mm-hmm. in the garden. There's a lot going on there. It's really amazing how often in almost any sin, clearly you can go back to Adam and Eve and go, oh, that's what was happening. Totally. Yep. But it, I, I've always looked at that and thought at some level, Adam and Eve didn't want to be, feel limited. You know, there was something they didn't have or there was something they felt like they didn't know. And so that's the temptation, right? It's to be like God. It's to know. And um, I, I just think so much in our life, we struggle with not being okay mm-hmm. in our limitations. And so um, that that sort of presses the boundary for us and not feeling like we can um, cut ourselves off, need to step away, um, having that sense of freedom. Because yeah. at the end of the day, I mean, that's what we really want for each other. Um and for everyone in our church's life is this sense of like, you can be free. Amen. Like you don't have to be a slave to the machine mm. in our world um, that says you have to know everything that's going on. I mean, I'm probably an old fogey or something when I think this way, <laughs> but uh, we had some friends down in the in um, Corvallis area and um, we went and visited them. Her parents were out in Sweet Home and they ran, they probably still run the newspaper out of Sweet Home. And so we went to their little tiny little mom and pop shop yeah. newspaper that they run. And they had these old newspapers on the wall from long, you know, long back. And it was ridiculous, the news. It was like, um, Jerry had a cousin come in from out of town. You know, it like literally was like the most random information. Breaking but it was news. like the Facebook yeah. before Facebook almost, yeah. you know, the newspaper. But I think it just reveals how uh, like just we live in such a weird time. Mm-hmm. Like we have access to so many things and we feel so much guilt if we don't know that it's happening. Yeah. And... I've often just wondered, I don't know if we're meant to know all this stuff. 
Like, I don't know if I'm meant to know what's happening in Florida today. Mm -hmm. Or um, I'm not saying it's bad that I know what's happening in Florida today or wherever place in the world or Ukraine. Like, I want to know, right? Um, And I want to be aware. But that can become like this godlike pursuit in my life. And then it makes complete sense that I have all this stress and anxiety because I'm not wired by God to know all those things. I can't even do anything about it. Yeah. And so um, I've tried to encourage so many people just live, live in your sphere of influence, live locally. Like if I'm being pulled out of my local sphere to live in a sphere that like I can't even impact in any way, mm-hmm. um, then I need to kind of reel it back in a little bit. Yeah. Um, because, because that's all we can do, right? If I have information about everything going on in the world, if I'm that connected, yet I can't do anything about it, I only have a few responses. I can be really upset. I can complain. I can just gossip about it. I can slander. I can give my opinion about who I think that person is and how bad they are or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the Christian response is obviously none of those. I didn't list anything that people are like, yeah, that's what we should do. Right. <laughs> and so the Christian response is pray, mm-hmm. right? If my output's going to be anything with that information, let's pray. Amen. Cause I realize when I hear that information that I am not God. And if I want to keep acting like I think I should be God, I'm going to feel very anxious about it. Mm. And so my only output that makes sense is pray. You are God. Lord, the same spirit that lives in me lives in some believer in Cambodia. Like speak to them, have them do something about it, please. Um, And so we just pray, right? Or Paul says, give thanksgiving, be thankful, right? he doesn't. He doesn't say, you know, when the cares of your heart are many, that um, information, more information, is going to mm-hmm. cheer your soul. Um, it's the consolation from the Lord that does that. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's. I don't know. I'm kind of ranting, probably, no, but that's kind of my thoughts amen. around yep. it. Is that I think we just we. I want people to feel freedom mm-hmm. um, to not have to know, and if people feel like they want, they have to know then you should probably try to not know as much as you know. Yep. If that makes any sense. Makes a ton of sense. Um, yeah. Can I have a, ask one question sure. kind of with that? I, I thought that was great. So I always remember growing up hearing like the phrase, we want to be in the world, but not of the world, right? Did you guys ever hear that mm-hmm. at churches and stuff? Yeah, yeah. And And I think, I mean, I feel like you guys are recording this podcast in front of me just to like convict me of how much information I take in. So thanks guys. This has been a, it's been a fun 45 minutes so far. It was strange. Josh was just staring at you the whole time. It, yeah. It's been weird. Yeah. The vibe is no, uh, uh, but no, I mean, something I, I, I know I'm guilty of, of just, I like to know things, but why do I need to? It so takes this, this one to helpful. know one. It does. That's no, how I, yeah. But so anyways, I was gonna ask a question of, you know, we don't, we don't want to take everything in because as you've rightly pointed out, why do we need that? And I love that you're saying you can be free from that. Like, that's just, that's so encouraging to hear it put that way. The same time you said a little bit ago, we don't want to bear our our heads in the sand like an ostrich. And I think that can be, that can be a place that some Christians do go or have gone certainly over the years of almost, you know, we're, we want to isolate ourselves, put up our walls from everything. So my question would be like, what is that balance of, um, I know sometimes if, if we're not aware of some stuff that's that's happening, that non-Christians can look at Christians as if like, like we're not empathetic or sympathetic, like we don't care what's happening. You, you know what I'm saying? Do you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So like, how do we, what is the right way to, to maybe do it? I know this is a tough question and maybe not just like, oh, here's the three steps to do it. But like, we want to know what's happening in the world because there's non-Christians that there are other things that really affect them that they do want to talk about. And those can be those, those inlets for us to output a gospel message to them. Right. Mm-hmm. But so how, is there anything you could speak to that of like, how do we not be so far rem- or, you know, we should remove ourselves probably from social media and stuff. I think you've hit that well, but yeah, I'm rambling on how I'm asking this no, question. No, no. You, you know what I'm asking here? Do you get, yeah, what, you get where absolutely. I'm going at? That's a great question. I think, um, and just to back up, like I, I'm just talking about everything that I've processed through in my own life, 
Yeah. You know, I'm not sitting here like, I don't know how people are lacking, you know. Uh, but to answer that question, I think what's difficult about it is it's a wisdom category. There you go. There's not a like, um, for the most part, like a moral right or wrong, uh, but you're wanting, you're asking a wisdom question. And my thought would be um, just getting to the place where you're, more saturated and shaped by God's word um, for all of us will give that wisdom Mm -hmm. that, I mean, there's nothing I can really say right now that will give the best answer, so to speak, because it could be different for a person. So Mm -hmm. like I said, I don't think social media is immoral. So I wouldn't say to someone, you have to get off, you're going to be a faithful Christian. Mm -hmm. But I could tell you for me, when I thought about a wisdom category for is this useful in my life, I said, I should get off. I just wasn't helpful. Um, And so I don't think any Christian, like it's, it would be unwise and unhelpful for me if I was to such an extent disconnected from the world that if someone's like, do you hear what's going on in Ukraine? I was like, no. And you know I mean? Like I had no Mm -hmm. idea. I mean, that's like a very big, obvious world thing, like happening in the world Mm -hmm. that I need to be in my prayers engaged in. Okay. Um, and if someone's like, have you heard about this virus going around? I'd be like, oh, what are you talking about? You know, like, this, I mean, there's basic things. Yeah. But where the wisdom comes in is goes, I go, okay, I know that that's happening now. Uh, how much information do I need to consume about that? Right. Yeah. Like if Good. I'm just clicking refresh all the time and mm-hmm. every morning I'm like, what are the numbers? And, you know, that kind of stuff. Or um, every day I'm like, what's the latest thing that, you know, got blown up or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Like I would just begin to question um, where's the wisdom in that? Is that helping yeah. me live as a Christian where I am? Because if someone's going to say, you need to know way more about this kind of stuff, I would just lovingly say to them, like, why do you think that? Mm-hmm. Like, what is that going to, how is that going to positively affect Gresham? If there is a war happening in Gresham, I should know all about it mm-hmm. all the time. Um, and so I just think we have to live in that tension. And I think for we're living in a day where if you're not in the 100% knowledge of something or like just always talking about it and angry about it, people will accuse you of not caring. And I just go, I just, I just think we need to learn to be free from that Yeah, and go, yeah. no, I do care, but I actually care more even yep. about the people that I'm actually around every day in my life. Cause that's the people God's called me to love. That's I, a helpful way to answer I love that. your question, Jordan. And I think we're all trying to figure this out and live into this together. But I guess what comes to mind for me too, is like, what story are you living for? And as Christians, we have the true and better story. Mm-hmm. So if I'm only a, abiding, even with the best of intent in what's current and new and finding about this to even for the sake of like, have conversations with your non-Christian neighbors and coworkers, that could be all well and good, but you're living for a shorter horizon than what Mm -hmm. we're called to live for. Mm -hmm. So if I'm not abiding in Jesus, I'm not really going to be that helpful, even with the best of intent to have those conversations because I'm being formed and shaped by horizons and storylines that aren't, um, you know, the glories of Jesus, they're incomplete. So I have to be abiding in Jesus to really speak grace and truth into those things. I know, you know, that we all know that, like, that's why the abiding thing is so important. Cause if I'm abiding in other things more, I only have so much time in my day. I don't have so much emotional energy and capital to give. Where am I giving it? And, and I know I'm feeling this, you know, push and pull in my heart and this stuff too, but we just have to be abiding in Jesus for our own joy and for the joy of others that know Jesus, our church family, and those that don't know Jesus yet, or we're just not going to be very effective disciples yeah. of Jesus in our time and place. So yeah, yeah. that's yeah. really good. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really um, important question though. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome yeah. question. Yeah. Uh, all right. I mean, we could talk about this for, for a long time, but maybe to kind of wrap this for now on this discussion, what closing encouragements would you give uh, to Gresham Bible Church about our abiding? And then maybe even practically, what are some resources that you would point people to? Yeah, I, I'm going to... I feel like you should say the Bible, but uh, other, yeah, other than that and to that. I yeah. don't know. Uh, <laughs> no, I... Again, I want to restate it because it's important. I just want people to know that there is freedom Amen. in this area. And I think the majority of people 
that I talk to, and it's hard to quantify that, but it seems like people feel like a slave to our information age. Mm -hmm. And I just want people to know there is, God wants you to be free. Like to know things you need to know and, but to be free to just know the things that you really do need to know and to dwell on those things. And that doesn't make you a bad Christian. That actually makes you a better Christian. Amen, Josh. And so um, I just hope people hear that. Um, But I would say practically, number one, uh, I would encourage people to memorize and meditate on John 15, one through 11. Mm. And just mull it over in your mind because it says, let my words abide in you and abide in my love. Like, man, those are the two streams, you know, that I want like flowing into my heart. Amen. And so uh, number two, I would say uh, read a proverb a day, right? Just for a long season and read it, just read a proverb a day. There's like 31 of them or something, right? I mean, that's not new to me, but it's a practice I've made in the last couple of years, uh, just trying to help me think through what is wisdom because so much of this world and the the things that we navigate, um, we want to be able to discern what is of God, what is not of God, what is good, what is evil, uh, what is right and wrong. But there's a lot of different areas where uh, it doesn't always feel like that clear sometimes. And so just getting wisdom is helpful and Proverbs helps that. Um, But if people want to go beyond the Bible, with something that deals with the Bible, I would wholeheartedly recommend the classic book by Andrew Murray. He's, I think, South African um, guy, um, Abide in Christ, The Joy of Being in God's Presence. Mm-hmm. Um, the copy I have, it says there's over 2 million books in print of this. So it's wow. so definitely a classic, but, but it's 31 chapters. It's really meant for you to read a chapter a day that just talks about what it looks like to abide in Christ. But again, this is the idea of input. He says, abiding in Jesus is nothing but the giving up of oneself to be ruled and taught and led. And so resting in the arms of everlasting love. Mm. Um, I mean, that's just it. It's saying, I want to give up myself to be ruled, taught, and led by Jesus. Who doesn't want that? Oh yeah, yeah. but that's yeah. what we're that's literally what we're talking about. Amen. Am I ruled by Jesus, taught by Jesus, led by Jesus? Am I resting in the arms of everlasting love? If I'm like living in that world like that, I'm like, yeah, ruled, taught, led, resting in his love. It's like, man, that's the input right there. And so that's what we're hoping for. Yeah. Amen. All right. If this brings up any conversations or questions, man, we would love to talk in person. So please reach out to me at Mike at GreshamBible.org. And let's keep talking about this as a church, abiding our inputs and outputs. And in the moment, I realized we haven't given a shout out and thank you to our friends at Humble Beast in a while. So I want to do that. Thank them for the great music we can use on this podcast. All right, Gresham Bible Church, hope this has been a helpful discussion. Love you. Until next week.